0: everybody. This is your lecture for the week on Simone de Beauvoir's essay, Pyrrhus and Sineus*. This is a replacement essay. We were going to read something different and then because of the circumstances, I decided this would fit a little bit better. So hopefully you've managed to complete the reading and you can sort of follow along with me as I talk about uh, the important parts. So um, Simone de Beauvoir is an existentialist, and I started you off with that crash course video on existentialism. We'll talk about that in a minute, Um, but sort of keep that in the back of your mind as we get started here. So um, Simone de Beauvoir starts her essay with the story of Pyrrhus and Sinaius. We have Pyrrhus, who is the king of Epirus, and his advisor Sinaius, and they're talking about, okay, what's going on next? and um, Pyrrhus vows to conquer, 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 right? He says, I'm going to go to Greece and then Africa and then Asia Minor and Arabia. Okay, he's like, I'm going to conquer all of these places. And Seneas keeps saying, and then what? And then what? After that, after that. And eventually Pyrrhus says he's going to go home and he will rest. Seneas asks, why don't you rest right away? If you're already at, you know, like if your end point is to be at home resting that's where we are right now, Pyrrhus. Why would you go through all this work to conquer, conquer, conquer um and the the question here is like, what is the point of action so the The question that Beauvoir is raising right from the start is, do we have rational justification for acting? Seneas is pointing out that all of this conquest is kind of futile. going to end up at home anyway. Um, So he's suggesting that action itself is ultimately unsatisfying. Um, Pierce's position on the other hand, as Beauvoir understands it, is that to act is what it is to be human. Um, Like that's just what we do. We act. That's what being human means. Beauvoir will say that humans are transcendent, that we surpass that we project ourselves, or we have projects, These, this terminology, this is her way of saying that being human means going beyond, right? Transcending or surpassing, going further than where we are now or what we are now. Um, acting, even if we can't find any good reason to, that is human, that's what we do. We transcend, we surpass, we act. Um, In these couple of opening pages, the italics on page 90 and 91, Beauvoir also points out to us the advice that Voltaire gives in his book Candide. So you've got this note from Candide. um, And his advice is, we must cultivate our garden. This is page 91. I think what we're meant to understand by that is something like, you have to act but you only need to be concerned with the small sphere of the world that is yours, your garden. Um, But this too leads to more questions. Beauvoir says, what is my garden? How do I know what is mine? And then um, putting it sort of in terms of caring for our neighbor, she says, who is my neighbor? These are the questions that prompt the rest of the essay. Um, And I also gave you a study question to sort of think about here at the start. what do you think makes a person or a job or a place yours? What makes it belong to you? Um, And what makes these things worth your concern, right? This is the question that Beauvoir is raising at the beginning. Um, Why should we act? And what makes something belong to us? What makes it ours? She continues with that line of questioning in the next section, so top of page 92, she tells us this story about um, a little boy who is crying because a stranger has died. And his parents teach him, hey, you don't have to cry for the deaths of strangers, right? Like, you don't have to spend days in mourning just because a stranger has died. Um, And they say to him, that wasn't your brother, And this little boy wonders in sort of this philosophical way that children have, so what if he is or isn't my brother? What makes a person mine enough to be worth crying over? Um, And just the poignancy of this story is one of the reasons that I wanted us to focus on this essay. Um, Just this question, right, of like, who is ours to cry over and um so what if they are or aren't ours um seems like a a question worth thinking about right now um but like it's a time to wonder who your neighbor is and who whose deaths we should or can cry over so so to speak like Like, why shouldn't we mourn the deaths of strangers or should we? And then it's not just about death, right? The way that the essay proceeds is like, what can we do for others and how many others and which others and like, who are we responsible for and what are we supposed to be doing for them? Um, All of that is wrapped up in this essay and it's a lot of questions and Beauvoir sort of only suggests answers because there's a, she sort of describes a really complicated problem here, right? That um, we might not understand a reason for acting in the first place, the way Sineas is like, eh, what's the point? Let's just stay home. Um, And then also like, okay, if we can convince ourselves that it's necessary to do something, um, what are we supposed to do and for whom? And how do we know that we're acting in someone else's best interest? And What are we really responsible for doing in a time when strangers or neighbors might be suffering? Um, I think these are important questions for us to start thinking about with Beauvoir. So I've I've mentioned that she's an existentialist. um, And basically, hopefully what you got from that Crash Course video, right, is that for an existentialist, um, the big central idea is that human beings are free. We have the freedom to choose. Um, What we got from Nietzsche and Kierkegaard, right, is that we must take charge and create value and meaning for ourselves, right? Kierkegaard says, um, like, faith is a leap that you have to take alone. You have to work this out for yourself with fear and trembling. And Nietzsche says, like, hey, we we now have the responsibility to create meaning and value in our lives so that we don't fall into a nihilist state, right? Um, From the Crash Course video, you might also remember um, Hank Green in that video teaches us that for an existentialist, we don't have a predetermined essence that we have to fulfill. Like there's no um, purpose or like essential being that we have to um, live up to. Um, Rather, it's up to us to make choices in our lives and create who and what we are. So then Beauvoir takes up these themes, right? She's definitely in that vein of existentialism. And she talks about um, human freedom, right? That we are free, but also she puts it in these terms that I pointed out a minute ago, transcendence, surpassing, uh, project, right? She says um, that without a predetermined essence, human beings are... um, a kind of nothing, and we only become something by throwing ourselves forward into the world. We have to make choices, we have to undertake projects and project ourselves into the world, we have to act. We exist by surpassing ourselves, whether that's our past or what we have been or what we are now, we have to transcend or go further. So that's part of why she rejects Sinaeus' position, that we can just skip to the resting part instead of bothering with all that conquering, because we are nothing unless we put ourselves out there by making choices and, like, charging forward, just acting. Um, The problem is that, I mean, sort of the situation here, right, maybe not a problem, is that whenever we choose to act, and project ourselves into the world so that we can become someone or something, we're always going to be acting in a world that's full of other people who are also making choices and projecting themselves into the world and making something out of themselves. So that means there's always going to be some kind of conflict. The projects that I freely choose for myself will inevitably conflict with some projects that other people are freely choosing for themselves, right? Beauvoir explains this as um, our fundamental ambiguity. So let me take a minute to explain that. Ambiguity, just as a word, means that we have two conflicting meanings in play at the same time. So our fundamental ambiguity as human beings is that while we understand ourselves as free, making choices and acting. Um, Other people understand us as obstacles, just things in the world that they have to navigate around. So one way of putting this is that each human being is both a subject and an object. A subject makes choices and does things. An object takes up space in the world and is generally opaque to other people, right? So the idea here is that like, we understand ourselves to be free. But when you look at someone else, you don't get to see their decision making process, you don't know for sure, if they're making free choices, or just acting on some determined path, right? Like, I mean, for all I know, all of you could just be like, really well-designed robots who are just following your programming. I don't know that you're free. Y'all are just things in the world, as far as I'm concerned, right? I don't get to see your freedom as freedom. You experience your freedom as freedom. You understand that you are subjects in the world, but to me, you might as well just be objects, right? So, We also have to recognize that about ourselves, right? I understand myself as a subject. I make choices, I do things, I am free. But I also have to be careful because I have to recognize that to y'all, I'm just a thing in the world, right? I'm just a condition out in the world that you can't control. I might as well be the weather, right? I'm just a thing that happens in your world. So that's our ambiguity that every individual is both a subject who makes choices and is free and an object that takes up space and is just an obstacle for other people, just something they have to deal with. Okay, so this is part of why Beauvoir says we can't ever act for the sake of humanity as a whole. We each have individual interests and those are going to conflict, right? So humanity is not a homogenous whole. Humanity is made up of all of these little individuals who all have their own ideas about what is valuable or good for them, or what they want to accomplish in the world. So if we're looking for a good reason to act, right? That's what that's what um, we sort of open with, right? Like, why should we act? Um, what can justify our action? Um, acting for the sake of humanity isn't it. Um, Beauvoir thinks that's kind of nonsensical because there is no single good that is the good of humanity. We're a really diverse um, body here made up of um, all of these free individuals making their own choices and deciding for for themselves what is good and what is valuable, right? So like with this sort of situation of knowing that we must act but also knowing that everyone else is also freely acting um, sort of gives us a complicated situation right It, it gives us this problem like how how do we know that we're doing the right thing if everyone else is also deciding what is good and valuable on their own terms right this is sort of the the problem of community in existentialism. What we get from Kierkegaard and Nietzsche is that we all have to do it ourselves, right? And then the problem that de Beauvoir is raising is like, okay, but if all of us are acting for ourselves, what about other people, right? How do we get along in a world where everybody's just deciding for themselves what is right and good? How, like, don't we still have some kind of responsibility to each other? Don't we still have neighbors? Don't we still have a garden? Don't we still have brothers and aren't some people strangers, right? Like how do we think about other people in a world of of individualism? That's the problem of existentialism that de Beauvoir is exploring in this essay. Okay, I hope you're still with me. I'm gonna take a sip of coffee. Um, And you can, like, breathe and pause or something. Okay. So, so fun. Beauvoir says, we can't act for the sake of humanity. We're all different. We all make our own choices about what is right and good. But it gets worse. She goes on to say, um, we can't even act for the good of a single individual other person. So, okay, we can't act for the good of humanity. What if I just pick one person I try to benefit with my actions? Can't I just act for the good of a single individual other person? She says, well, no, because just like we are free to decide who and what we will become in the world, um, so is everyone else free to decide who and what they will become in the world. So when I try to act for the sake of another person, um, I have to recognize that that other person is free to take my action any way they please, right? They get to decide the meaning of my action. They might be appreciative and continue the work I've begun on on their behalf right um but they just they might as well um be resentful that I've tried to steer them in one direction or another or they might see my actions as a hindrance to what they're really trying to accomplish, right? So like, um, for example, this happens with, you know, making decisions about teaching all the time. I want to act in my students' best interest. Well, first of all, that's a very diverse body, right? I have a lot of students, What's in one person's best interest probably isn't in everyone's best interest. I don't know how to act in everyone's best interest. So what if I just picked one student that I wanted to benefit? What if I picked just one student to say, okay, um, I'm gonna give this lecture so that so-and-so is gonna understand it best because I know how so-and-so prefers to learn and I will benefit so-and-so, right? The problem is still that whoever that so-and-so is Um, is a free human being. They're not just an object in the world, they're a subject. And they get to decide for themselves how to take my actions, right? So when I decide we're going to learn asynchronously, right? Um, So-and-so gets to decide whether that is good for them or not. They might be appreciative. They might be resentful they might say, Ugh, oh, what an obstacle to learning, right? I can act and I can attempt to serve someone else's best interest, but my, like the, the success of my actions still depends on them. That's sort of the problem of trying to act in someone else's best interest, right? This is why she says that my actions can only ever be a point of departure for other people because they too are free to make choices about what's good and valuable. They can take my actions however they like. It's just a point of departure or an opportunity to respond. The type of response is entirely up to that other person. So while I have to under my, understand myself as free and take responsibility for every action I take and how it's going to affect other people, I also have to be cognizant that for those other people, I'm just a thing in the world. I'm an object and my actions are just starting points for them. So I can't actually accomplish something good for someone else because the meaning of my actions for them depends on them. That's why she said, Beauvoir says that When we devote ourselves to someone else, this is in her section on devotion, when we devote ourselves to someone else, um, we do so amid risk and doubt, she says on page 120, the very bottom. Um, We always act amid risk and doubt when we devote ourselves to someone else. She's saying that I can sincerely try to act in someone else's best interest, but I can never know for sure what's best for that other person and what they will value most because that is up to them. That's what existentialism says is that everyone makes their own choices about what's good and valuable. So when I'm trying to act for someone else, it's always a risk. There's always going to be some uncertainty there, whether I'm, I'm doing the right thing for them. And I think we just sort of feel this, right? Like, if you take a minute to think about it, you can feel that. Like, when I try to do something good for someone else or for their sake, you can feel that there's always kind of a risk and a doubt involved there. Am I doing the right thing for that other person? Um, okay, so Beauvoir says – um. We know at the very least that people do need each other, right, I can only complete my projects in the world if I get certain kinds of help and support from other people and they can only complete their projects in the world if they get certain kinds of help and support. So we know that people need each other, um, even if the ways that we interact with each other are sort of risky and ambiguous. So she takes the time to set out two conditions for those interactions with other people. She says, all right, here's what we can be sure of if we're not sure how to act in others' best interest. First, she says, um, we must be able to appeal to one another. That's her word, appeal, Um, which means to ask each other for help and support. So along with that, we know that it's in everyone's best interest not to be silenced. We can act for the sake of other people if we're fighting to keep them from being silenced. So we wanna make sure that everyone has a voice so that they can appeal for the help and support that they need to complete their own free projects. Okay, second condition. um, She says we all need peers who can respond to our appeals. Um, We need equals who can respond to our requests for help and support. we need, according to de Beauvoir, a certain level of equality, um, equal freedom in the world, so that we can respond to each other's appeals. So there's another way that we can make sure that we are acting in, like, for the sake of someone else. We can fight for their freedom to make their own choices and respond to the appeals and be equally free, right? So, um Condition number one, we know that everyone must be able to appeal for help and support, so no one ought to be silenced. And second, we have to have equals or peers that we can appeal to. Um, So we want to make sure that everyone is equally free to respond to those appeals. So two ways that we know for sure we can act in someone else's best interest or like we can we can act for the sake of the other is to make sure they're not silenced and to make sure they're equally as free in the world as we are so that they are, they have equals to appeal to. Okay. So altogether, let's see if we can put this together. Um, Altogether, Beauvoir is teaching us that while it's completely up to us as individuals to create meaning and value and to choose who and what we will become. We also have to recognize that our choices create the world that other people also live in. And we can help others to live freely as equals. Or on the other hand, we can make choices that keep others from enacting their whole freedom from making appeals and responding so this is where she says and these lines are so poignant right um she says the bread that one eats is always the bread of another and in another place she says i am the face of the other's misery right we can't forget that we are objects or obstacles for other people we create through our choices the world that they find themselves acting within as if it's just objective, right? Like the weather. And we should like think about that. We should consider that and take responsibility for the ways that our actions, on our own behalf, or even on on behalf of others, um, create a world that other people just sort of have to deal with, right? So action will always be a risk. And it might not ever be satisfying, just like purists conquering and conquering just to end up back at home, right? But acting is still necessary because that's what we are as human beings. We're transcendent. We are freedom. Um, But um, as scary as that is, right, that we, that our choices that we have to make because that's how we are in the world that our choices create the world for other people, as scary as that is, um, we can be sure that we're acting for the sake of other people on their behalf and not just like eating their bread or causing them misery. Um, We can be sure that we're benefiting them or doing our best for them when we act in ways that enable them to speak and act freely and to appeal to others, and when we respond to their appeals, not in oppressive or dismissive ways, but as equals who opt to make choices in support of their projects. Okay, so that is what I wanted to get across about Beauvoir's essay, Pyrrhus and Sinais. And I hope that it gives you a a little something extra to think about in a time of global pandemic, when you might be wondering, um, what do I have the responsibility to do right now? Beauvoir gives us this one perspective that, um, you know what, it's up to you to decide what is meaningful and important and valuable And it can be really hard to know how to help other people in the world. But at the very least, we can know for sure that we can't let them be silenced and we have to support their freedom to make their lives what they want them to be. We have to allow others to appeal and to respond to appeals. Um, And those are like the two rules we can follow. The rest is kind of a risk. We don't know um, who belongs to us. She never really gets around to answering that, right? Um, We don't know who belongs to us or who we're responsible for um and here's where personally i return to the phrase cultivate your garden i i like having to worry about who is or what is in my garden and who my neighbor is and i think beauvoir is teaching us that those boundaries are not set for us, that is part of what's up to us to decide. We um, we are free to choose who is ours and who is worth crying over and how we can respond to the appeals of the world. So um, hopefully that's given you something to think about this week. Um, I'm sure that you have questions. There's a lot I haven't covered in this essay. Um, Existentialism might be a new concept to you. I'm happy to talk about that. Let's head over to a Q&A discussion board where we can work out all of these questions, and I'll tell you lots more about existentialism and Simone de Beauvoir. I hope you're doing well, and I'll talk to you soon.